0: to Making the Brand, the podcast where marketing and pop culture collide. I'm your host, Breanne Flemming. I can't wait to chat about brands, boy bands, and everything in between. Because brands who have a pulse on pop culture can create adoring fans of their own. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Making the Brand podcast. It's been a while since I've interviewed someone on this show. But today's guest I thought was so interesting, and she inspired me to pick this back up again. So today we have Jess Sanfilippo. She is the founder of Rhodey Social. It is a brand new concept she's working on, and this might be one of the first places you get to hear about it, but it's going to be huge because Jess is behind it, and she doesn't do anything small. So Jess, welcome to the show.
1: Oh my gosh, that was like such a glowing introduction. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I got like the chills, which is my go-to sign that, like something feels good. Um, yeah, thank you for having me. i'm so I'm so excited um to chat with you about this. and yeah. you're totally right. It's like it's new. It's exciting. Um, I don't go small. And then yes. you are like making the brand is, the exclusive first interview, really.
0: Oh, good to know. Good to know. And what a big honor to have you here. And we, um, yeah, this is going to be like world tour energy, is what we're manifesting here. Hundred
1: percent. This is a full barricade <laughs> at your super fan show moment. absolutely Absolutely.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, I would love for you to just introduce your, yourself and share a bit of your background, and then I have a fun little icebreaker question for you. But
1: first, who is Jess Filippo? Tell us. Oh, who am I? That's a uh, question <laughs> I ask myself every day. I know we wake up every morning, it's and like, I go, oh uh, "Yeah, right." It's like you wipe the crusties from the corners, and you go, "Who are you?" Into the mirror. Um, yeah, I'm Jess. I'm the founder of Verdi Social, like Brian mentioned, which is. Um, I know I have a feeling we'll get into this more, but like 10,000VitView is a marketing and community support partner for touring artists. Um, and uh, personally, I have an 18-year background in marketing. I, you know, I've worked in probably every industry you can think of, right? Um, I started in radio. Um, I worked in film, comedy, events, conferences, tech, D2C, like you name it. I've probably done it in some capacity. Um, and so I'm sort of an enigma of experience when it comes to marketing, but a lot of it, um, you know, like I said, radio was the first, so that's kind of that experience shaped a lot of how I approached like strategies and tactics and energy and interest in applying those things. So we'll dig into that more later, but that's kind of like me in a nutshell. And that's, that's a lot of person to put in a nutshell, (laughs)
0: Yes, but you did it beautifully. So, I mean, coming from a radio background first, I mean, so music was kind of your first love. Is that how we're getting rounded all the way back, full circle to
1: Rhodey Social? You think we are? We our through line is is the tempo, the melody. That's so true.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I I say that all the time. It's like if I had just stopped for a moment and reflected on. What were those first things that I loved that really shaped me? And you know, I'm you know boy band fangirl, and I credit Tiger Beat for like making me interested in marketing. And it's like it's those things we did growing up, listening to music, those moments we had in our room with our boombox and the radio. Like they they change
1: us, don't they? <laughs> oh, it it's so formative. It's wild. It yeah. is absolutely wild. So yeah.
0: let's continue rewinding the clock a little bit here. I want to know what your first concert was.
1: Okay. This is so funny because anyone who knows me like modern day Jess mm-hmm. <laughs> is always like, I'm sorry when I tell this story. Um, so because it it just, it feels very like, like it makes sense and it doesn't. So, I'm going to lead the witness, I guess, and then now I will answer. Um, so my first ever concert was the inaugural Oz Fest, which wasn't a tour. So this was 1996, Phoenix Desert Sky Pavilion. I was 10 years old. Um, was a huge Black Sabbath fan. My parents we grew up, our house always had metal or, you know, hair bands rock like constantly playing.
0: Mhm.
1: Um, and so yeah, I was like two rows from the lawn at an outdoor venue in Phoenix, learning what weed was from the contact <laughs> high of the lawn going, um, you know, attendees. And yeah, it was crazy because that was the, the first year. I don't know if anyone knows the backstory, but quick TLDR, um, Sharon Osborne tried to get Ozzy Osborne in onto the Lollapalooza lineup. And they said, absolutely not. Um, this is when he was solo. And so he was like, screw it. I'll do my own. And so he did Ozfest, but he just did it the first year in two cities. One of them was Phoenix. The other one was like a San Bernardino (laughs) suburb called in California. Um, and so it's kind of wild. Like as I grew up being like reflective on that and going, oh my gosh, I was kind of there for an iconic, like moment like that franchise is massive. Yeah. Um now, you know, after all these years and so I was just like, whoa, okay cool. Like I was there in my big bright red 98 KUPD promo t-shirt and <laughs> bike shorts which is still you know, partly my uh uniform today as mm-hmm. a 35-year-old woman. So <laughs> uh yeah, but that was my first ever concert was an Ozzy Osbourne and Friends that are just like Ozzy, um, at OzFest. Crazy. Look at that. So it
0: was a first for you and a first for them in a way. Yeah, exactly. We shared a first. I yes. haven't really ever thought of it that way, but <laughs> we
1: have a bond. We don't even know we share. Yes.
0: Connected at the heart now forever yeah. with Black Sabbath. Okay. So what does modern
1: day Jess love? I know you're a big Harry Styles fan. It's yes, true. Like, you're number one? Um, interestingly enough, he's not. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Like no <laughs> offense H, but, um, <laughs> so it's, I, it's always so hard when people are like, what's, who's your number one, like who's mm-hmm. your number one musician? Um, because it changes constant, consistent, constantly, constantly changes. Um, but I guess if I had to say, there was not an a number one, but like tied for number one, mm-hmm. um, would be Bob Dylan and Elliot Smith. Okay. Yeah. Ooh, right. Quite the lyricists. <laughs> quite <laughs> the lyricist. Yes. Very poetic <laughs> of me. Um, you know, their, their music, um, individually had like such a significant impact during like two really, really big seasons of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, even to the point they're my son's namesake, my son's name is Dylan Elliott and he's named after them. Oh wow. Uh yeah. And um, you know, staying in this time machine uh way back way back in the day, uh-huh. MySpace Kids was a platform. So yeah. <laughs> uh my MySpace username, I don't know if like it was kind of Tumblr asked like your username was like a song lyric, right? Yes, so so an emo. Such an era. Um, <laughs> and as I flicked my side swept bangs away from my eyes, I my username uh, was "You'll Be Beautiful." Confusion from his in, Independence Day song, um, off of the xo record. So it's kind of like weird because it's been so so long. Like right, like late nineties to now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, my son's 14 now and still, I still lis- literally listened to the record like two weeks ago. Cause his birthday was two weeks ago.
0: See, that is poetic. So now let's chat about roadie social, your new endeavor here. What is it exactly? And how did you get the idea to start
1: it? Yeah. So, um, like I mentioned earlier, it's a, you know, it's really an umbrella at, Right now, and and I'm in still refining, but as kind of a whole, it's like a marketing and community support partner for touring artists. Um, you know, and I want to start it with musicians, but like who knows? Who knows what that could expand to? There are so many different fandoms. Um, but again, music is my passion, and so music <laughs> is my passion. sounded so again so poetic, <laughs> uh, and so I was like, let's start there. Um, and you know, really she's like 21 days old. <laughs> so yes. to be fair, like she's very new to the world. She still has that newborn baby smell. I just kind of cuddle her and drink her in, mm-hmm. um, every day. And, uh, luckily she sleeps through the night. So I'm not like up crazy, <laughs> like thinking about her. Um, but you know, I really kind of, consider a lot of the offerings that I'm building for this like initial V1 um as like the future of fandoms right mm-hmm. um everything from like building marketing strategies for tour that that's where the cornerstone is really being like that artist fan relationship and then all the way to bridging it into new technologies like blockchain ticketing it's like a massive buzz that's happening yeah. um in the industry and right now it's kind of being introduced in sort of upper echelon super vip kinds of ways like we saw with like the super bowl and coachella's doing their thing and stuff but um you know a broader more like universally adopted um ticketing that's powered by new technology um to like mm-hmm. control things like primary and secondary ticket markets and all of that sort of stuff um, is what i'm Actively building, um, while also like nurturing that um, that familiar relationship between like the fan and the artist.
0: I love that. Um, Do do you know if anything like this really exists? Like, how are artists currently marketing their their tours? Is it a pretty disjointed um, effort with like all these different people involved? Like, it seems like you're going to be a one stop shop, and I feel like that's going to be such a relief for artists versus like trying to put together all of this uh, tour promo. Yeah. I
1: mean, it's, it's really, really crazy. So kind of how I approached it um, was, well, I guess I should tell like a little, this kind of a fun story. I love to tell this part of it. So like, like I mentioned earlier, I started my career in radio, but that was, I left it 14 years ago. Right. Um, So uh, I left it after, I had my son mm-hmm. and I was like, Oh, I was like in a really fortunate position. I could, I had the opportunity to stay home with him full time. And so I made that choice. Um, and, you know, when I was in radio, I, I was doing programming production and promotion. So like the three P's of radio, um, mm-hmm. which meant I was interacting really regularly for artists on air for, and doing interview prep for my on-air talent, um, scheduling my on-air you know, jocks, helping them create and develop like segments for their time blocks. And, um, you know, really had an incredible, incredible mentor in my boss, Tim. And he, I was so green and I was so new to it. I literally got the gig as an unpaid intern. And then they were like, yeah, you have something here. So we're hiring you. Wow. (laughs) was Crazy. um, And so, so cool. Um, but you know, he always pointed out some strengths that I just didn't have the sight to like, I, I just didn't have, I just couldn't see them yet. Right? right. And he was like, you have a knack. And, and I, what I did was I had this knack and I built a reputation of being like the person that everyone felt safe and seen and calm around. Mm. And that was artists, agents, a&R guys, fans, when we did meet and greets, all of that. So I was like, oh, shit, I have something here, right? Oh, can I swear? You absolutely can. Okay, Go I was just it. like, I am <laughs> typically a sailor. Um, so I'm just, I'm trying to be a little bit um, reserved, but I'll say a That is A-okay here. Go for okay, it. Okay, perfect, perfect. <laughs> we're our whole selves when we're, we yes. were making the brand. Absolutely. Um. So, you know, it was when I left to, uh, you know, be a full-time mom, uh, which you're always a full-time mom, everything else is like a side hustle when you have a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I knew I would go back, but I didn't know how or when. Um, and fast forward to seven years later, <laughs> I'm sitting in my home office in LA, my kids at school. Um, I'd, Probably watched Almost Famous recently because for some reason that was on loop when I lived in LA, which uh-huh. now looking back makes sense. Yes. Um, it is the land of Almost Famous. And I thought, you know, like, hmm, you know, there's the, the whole Penny Lane and the Band Aid stuff. And I was like, I just, I'd, I had always kind of hated that like groupy Band Aid, like label and sort of ecosystem of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was like, like bands just really like fans of bands that they follow them around. They're just, they're really more like road crew than they are just like, you know, in it for the hookup or the whatever, you know, whatever stereotypes we're going to like put on, especially female fans with, Mm -hmm. um, you know, artists or bands. And um, so I was like, "Ooh, I just had this like lightning in a bottle moment." Roadie social, so I did what anyone who grew up <laughs> in the late '90s and early 2000s did: is you think of it, you buy the domain, you get the social handles, you get the email address, and I literally have sat on it for the past seven years.
0: Oh my gosh! So I have, I have no had, idea.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I I did that full court press of like the name something that's still TBD. Yes. Um, didn't give it much thought for like a decade. Save for like when it would the GoDaddy renewal of notification <laughs> would come up and I'd be like, oh yeah, I should probably do something with this. It's still, it still hits, you know. Yes. Um and so, you know, fast forward again to like the last couple of years, and I just saw such a wild explosion of like artist band develop, like artist brand development yeah. um in this pandemic the last few years. You know, where we have artists like Olivia Rodrigo, who could easily sell out an arena, but has never toured before. So she's doing like small theaters yeah. and her fans are like, what the actual F? Because yeah. more of us want to see her. Um, yeah, she's not even coming to Florida, which I'm upset about. So I get it. Go on. <laughs> she goes. So, yes. Thank you for <laughs> ripping that wound open. <laughs> yes. um, no, but we'll get you on a plane and you'll go see her somewhere. True. True. Uh, I can always do that. But, uh, you know, I. I we were all stuck at home and and what were we doing more than, you know, swiping, scrolling our lives away on TikTok and stuff. Yeah. And um, you know, I really started to see that that artist fan relationship morphing into this like beautiful trust exchange online.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and then when tours started to hit the road again in like fall winter of last year, and the content started flooding social media, you know, like TikTok, Instagram, Reddit was a fascinating uh, corner of the internet that when artists were on tour um, or like start, stopped some of their tours in like the spring, um, it was crazy, crazy the volume of tour-related content and conversation that started to happen on these channels. And I just had this light bulb moment. I was like, this is it. This is a different thing when it comes to conf- concert experiences right like mm-hmm. from hun- like front of house to back of house like everything feels really new but and really familiar but also like deeper and closer yes and so i wanted to lean into that you know like that depth and that bond between the stage and the stand and like get that have that be something that is nurtured because I, you know, I, I'm very studious. I'm a deep researcher. <laughs> before uh-huh. I do anything, <laughs> seven years sitting on a <laughs> and But the timing is perfect now. It's crazy how perfect it is. You're absolutely yeah. right. And so in that studiousness of myself, my, yes. just my tendency, um, I was like, before I formulate any offerings, because I can look at this and I can be like. Oh, this is what the industry needs. This is what artists need. This is what fans want, right? Mm-hmm. And artists want too, right? Let's not just make it a need want transaction. And I, so I was like, I need to go be in the room where the magic happens, be with the people who make the decisions, who are living, breathing, you know, this world and have for decades. Um, and so I went to Polestar Live which is, uh, a, it's an event for the global touring industry brings together artists, booking agents, promoters, um, concert support service, like everyone, everyone. And, um, I just sat in the room cause I, I looked at the schedule of kind of like, Hey, we don't know who's speaking yet, but these are, these are the topics we're going to cover. And so much of it was like, We don't know where to go because it's new and different. And we've maybe been doing it for 40, 50 years. Like some of the people sitting on that stage have been booking, you know, international territories for tours. And they're like, we just don't know how to do this now. So different, um, you know, from a safety and precaution standpoint, logistical standpoint. um, And, you know, I did that because I, I have been out of this. I got a peek into that world when I was in radio, but again, I was like 14, 15 years ago and things changed real fast. Uh, even though <laughs> the music industry is typically the slowest on the uptake for like new stuff. Um, they like the way things work. Uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I wanted to walk into the China shop, but I didn't want to be the bull and just start breaking shit that maybe wasn't broken. Yeah. And, um, so I was like, what are they interested in? What, where are the gaps? And then what can Uh I bring, you know, with this idea? Does this, does the idea that I have in my mind from what I'm, you know, perceiving as an outsider vibe with what, you know, they're kind of looking at and exploring and stuff like that. And it turns out, um, a lot of what I was thinking is what they're trying to figure out. So, gosh, so So, you just went to
0: Polestar live, just As an individual, like you didn't even really have anything up and running. You're just like, I need to go to this and immerse myself with these professionals and listen and just kind of prove proof of concept a little bit. Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. I just, I just was like, this is, uh, you know, and it's something that I, for my whole career, anytime I've made like an industry, like entry decision or anything like that, I always, always encourage people to literally invest with whatever resources you have, time, money, energy, whatever it is, um, into learning before you get try to get bullish, right? Yeah. Learn whatever you can. Um, because I feel like that to me is, you know, one of the most um powerful and impactful investments I can make as like a startup investment for what mm-hmm. I'm doing is to be like, am just really, really, truly assessing, you know, qualitatively, like I have access to like metrics for, you know, stuff and ticket sales and all that drop counts, all that kind of stuff. But also you have to, I'm such a human centered marketer and have been for my entire career that there's something different when you hear the anecdotes in the room, you feel the energy, you see
0: See the faces. You see the
1: faces, everything. right? Yeah. Of the people who, you know, especially in the touring industry, if you're not in the band or, you know, on the stage, people you no one knows who you are. But yeah. They're literally the glue, um, you know, that makes the machine run. So, you know, that was that was just really important to me. And then I sat I sat in that ballroom in Beverly Hills for a week and oh, um to your point before having nothing to offer, I didn't have business cards. I put my decided to, um, actually put my website up the second day of the
0: conference. Oh my I gosh. My you like went up. back to your hotel room and Yeah. Just
1: like- <laughs> yeah. 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 So after that day that there was an award show, um, that, that night and after the award show, I was like, oh, I could either stay up and hang out and feel like garbage tomorrow because we're going to enjoy, you know, the f- open bar yes. or I could go upstairs and I could apply what I've consumed and, you know, be really primed for, you know, networking when everyone is, uh, you know, kind of more in that zone. Yeah. Um, wow
0: a trade me. that was a worthy worthwhile uh, trade-off I would say
1: <laughs> yes I would I would say that panned out. that choice panned out quite well for me yes so. yeah, yeah, yes
0: yeah. oh my gosh so like what a what a great way just to like I said immerse yourself with all of those people and just get involved and kick everything off that's awesome and um like we were saying before I mean the timing it's it's a period right now where everyone is reevaluating touring and experiences because now that they're back, they are so much more meaningful. And I think mm-hmm. as the fans and as the artists and as the people behind the tours, like we have this renewed appreciation for them and the connection that we're all starving for right now. So, wow, the stars really aligned seven years later for you.
1: They, they really did. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that demand to, you know, go and be in a room with strangers where like, it doesn't matter. Right. I feel like we've had such, this will not get political, but like there's been such contentious divide. Yes. The past few years, you know, I, I going back to Harry Styles, I did, I committed to one tour uh, stop in Tacoma last November um, and ended up on a four show five day trip. It just, I just extended it. Um, and, you know, kind of followed it along for a few days. And, um, it was really, really remarkable and reassuring to stand in arenas with 12, 17,000 other people. Mm -hmm. And, um, we, we were all there for a collective Joy experience yes. right there was there was nothing that made a difference besides that ninety minutes in the room, yes. um of just like pure unadulterated joy. so yes. um so that that was, you know, for me, something that I, I felt so many times, so many times I've been i mean, I worked in the world, I produced a music festival when I was in Phoenix. So it's like, I have been to hundreds and hundreds of shows, if not thousands, I don't know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, so I know that feeling just like that general feeling, but it's new now. It's new and it's fresh and it's exciting. Like, even though I'd been to so many shows, I still felt like each one of those four shows I went to in five days was the first concert I had ever gone to. Yes. And so that, that, there's like something really, really magical there.
0: Yeah, we are so long overdue for, for these experiences yes. <laughs> and to feel this joy again. Like I don't blame you for going to, to four or five shows and just kind of riding it out after this drought that we've yes. been in with with concerts. So oh that's gosh, awesome. Yeah. So I want to speak to just some of the fears and maybe the risks that went through your mind when thinking about starting this. And you know, starting a, a business is very scary. There are a lot of unknowns. And maybe we can touch on just some of the things that you've gone through that maybe other people uh, can relate to and just how you push through some of those fears or um, doubts that you may have been having this whole time.
1: Yeah. um, I mean, the biggest fear that, that I had in starting this was that I was going to be a snot faced new kid that thought they knew stuff or, or perceived that way, yeah. Um, and so a new kid
0: on the block, the new an NKOTB,
1: and, <laughs> and I was like, I do have the right stuff, but we'll get there. Oh, oh,
0: oh.
1: <laughs> um, so you know that that was a big fear, and I think that that's what dr- motivated me to approach developing it and launching it the way that I did where I I was, Hey, I'm coming to be a fly on the wall. I'm not coming in to like break the China. Right. Right. Um, and you know, inherently there's tons of risks, tons of risks with starting, um, a new, you know, a new company or, or a business. Um, this is my second business I've started. And so, um, you know, my previous one was a marketing agency and was really what kind of, gave me that breadth of industry, you know, different industry experiences, um, in marketing. And, you know, I, I left a cushy, like great, um, work culture, uh, at, you know, at the beginning of February to pursue this full time. Um, and I knew that that was what I needed to do. I spent really, I spent like two months figuring it out. (laughs) So my, you know, my partner jokes that uh, and someday I know I'll tell him this story, but my partner jokes that Harry Styles broke me because <laughs> yeah. it, it really was, um, you know, I had, uh, again, was in a fortunate enough position to be, you know, barricade at two of the shows and and really close in the pit for the other yeah. two. And so. I got to not only watch and I bookended my um, I bookended with like open pit. And then like my middle shows were like barricade, like end of stage catwalk. So I was like watching the crew again. Um, And I (laughs) I'm glad I at least took some videos and thanks again to TikTok and everyone who like posts content from concerts. Cause like if there was any show I blacked out at, it was those two. Um, because I was paying so much attention to the crew. Um, and it, it took me back to when I was, you know, working shows in Phoenix or producing the festival I produced in Phoenix, to stand side stage and watch those glue people in the machine yeah. doing like phenomenal things um, and and making everything that the fans in that room we're experiencing and the artist was experiencing on stage feel effortless and seamless. Um, and so I don't know where I was going. Oh, so I was like, anyway, so, so I came back from that and that was really kind of when things started to like click for me. Like, I was like, I think that there's something, I know there's something new and different in the energy of going to a concert and concert going and how do I fit into this? And then, um, I really do think when I, I came home, um, after I slept for 19 hours, uh, because you don't sleep. <laughs> you right. don't sleep when you impromptu, take five days on a, you know, a concert tour spontaneously. Yeah, um, and also launch a product <laughs> in the meantime. Um, you know, just like no big deal. Just like, don't stack too much on your plate, Jess. (laughs) Um, but I managed to do both of them. Um, which was also a signal to me that I was like, okay, this feels scarier than it is. But if you can do two big, really big things, one, you're filling your like personal cup, um, Mm -hmm. you know, to the point it's overflowing. And also you're like, meeting the moment for these really really big milestones for the company you're currently at. If you can do both of those together, you can do this full time, right, you know, yeah. full time focused. So mm-hmm. um that was like a validator for me. Yeah. And so I came home and and I you know, got through our our holiday shopping season and I just said, "Hey, I need to take um, you know, I don't know how long, but I need to take some time. To focus on my mental spiritual and physical health right like I was like I'm burnt out I'm going too hard like what do I want to be doing and um two months later I I made the call and I was like this is what I need to be doing yeah I sit here and I think about it and I spend the time working through why you know why Harry Styles <laughs> broke me um with prof- <laughs> with you know therapists and professionals um you know it it as time went on it just became more and more clear and and defined i just had so much more clarity around um this is what you're supposed to do you're yeah. where you're at when you're supposed to be there and you're about to build the experience you're you're meant to have so
0: i think harry styles inspired you <laughs> he
1: did he yeah. did <laughs>
0: <laughs> but i think it's so interesting that these epiphanies and kind of realizations that you've had a lot of them have have stemmed from Getting out there, like going to that event, going to um, these Harry Styles shows, and just kind of getting out into the world a little bit and away from our desks and just living a little and seeing what feels right and what comes to you. I think in this work from home world that we're all in right now, like a lot of times we are contemplating like what our next move is or or what we're really hoping to do next. And I love that you took the time and and created those experiences for yourself to get that clarity.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like we, you know, being, being as stuck in one place as, as a lot of us have been, um, you know, and staying put, we're consuming a lot, but we're not absorbing, you know, yeah. you really, you really get the opportunity to absorb inspiration and experience and, and the growth of self when you leave the four walls. Right. Yes. Um, And I'm a huge, huge proponent of that. And, um, you know, putting your physical self in the spaces and places that will inspire you to, you know, do, do the task at hand and also dream of, of things that you haven't even touched yet. So it's
0: just beginning. So,
1: (laughs) Let's we've only um, just begun as the carpet just say.
0: Begun. <laughs> yes, big fan, big fan. Yes. Um <laughs> so let's get into more of the specifics of Rodish social and how this is going to work. I'm sure you've you've thought about it a lot. Um so how will the services work? Are you going to be heading out on tour with a lot of these artists, which sounds pretty fun, but also could be exhausting. Um, or is it more about equipping the artist team? Like, or maybe it's a little bit of both. How are you envisioning the, the services and how those will work?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a little of column A and a little of column B. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mostly we're hanging out in column A at the moment. I think that this is, and, and I've been fortunate enough to have conversations with some pretty major stakeholders in um, the agent and artist space um, to get intel from them on like what, you know, what is your interest in these sort of innovative approaches to activating fans? How, how does the ecosystem work now? And like you, like we talked about earlier, it's so disjointed. Um, They're like, Oh, well we hire a freelancer, you know, one agent says we hire a freelance, you know, on the road kind of uh marketer yeah you know from tour to tour Mm
0: -hmm.
1: right and then um to oh well we put it all in you know like live nation as a promoter like they just handle end to end all the marketing and and whatever happens on the road and stuff and or oh it's our full-time social team person for this artist that you know gets the content from the photographer from the road and like, you know, post it from their apartment in LA or whatever. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. And, and um, so for me, I think that there's such a really, really untapped power. There are so many fan accounts and going back to Tiger beat also earlier, I cannot tell you the number of times me and my friends in like middle school and high school were such nerds. It was like a new issue of tiger beat and teen, you know, uh, teen beat. Right. There was also teen beat. Yes. Um, good times. I feel like my walls were so plastered with these, (laughs) you know, posters. I would, I would, but you know, those were the top two, but like a new issue of that would come out and we'd be like, that's it Friday sleepover. We're all going to, you know, so-and-so's house, bring, bring your issue. We're, we're summing through it and, you know, this was kind of, that's where we we read the rumors and the, you know, we saw, and it was mostly like months and months after a tour had ended and when they were like, oh yeah, we finally like got these to print for whatever. And you're like, oh, you're reminiscing. And there's such these fan accounts now that are doing and, and creating that like excitement in real time um, that I'm like, these these are, you know, catalysts for for from the artist side, um, you know, not free, prom- I mean, right now they're doing it free promotion, but like making that relationship official to, you know, equip these super fans that, you know, really are going from, hey, like I'm going to a concert to know this artist that I'm a super fan of is on tour for, you know, either a US tour or a world tour for 30 to 90 days I'm I've saved up for the past year or a couple years in in this case and I'm just going to every show I can. Yeah. Um you know they're making a lifestyle out of it. And um doing you know giving access to a lot of people that depending on the artist whether the shows sold out and they just literally couldn't physically get a ticket to go, um, or, you know, financially they can't afford to go or, you know, life circumstances prevents them from going, whatever, whatever the case is for someone not to be in person at the venue, they're granting this access to the entire experience, right. From traveling and whether that's down the road to the venue or across the country or across the world to the venue, um, to, getting prepared to planning their outfits to, um, you know, getting together with their friends, like going to dinner before grabbing drinks, you know, pre-gaming, like whatever the energy or the vibe is all the way up to like live streaming their POV during the concert for the entire concert. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, I look at that and I go there, there's a way here to facilitate, a, a stronger more direct connection with these experiences and have the artists be in on that you know not in in like a sleazy like businessy way but like be a part of that because that artist fan relationship is something so elevated from what it typically has been thanks to like social media and and you know everyone being stuck at home <laughs> and yeah. so Um, For me, going, you know, going on the road, that's one portion of it, but, you know, meeting with the, uh, the artists and their team and and their creative directors as they're putting a tour together. So like, well in advance of a presale, you know, being um, like a consulting strategic voice in the room for, you know, for the stuff that takes that time on the road to the next level. Um, because right now the, the sense that I got going to that, that event a couple weeks ago was there are so many logistical things to pay attention to at the moment that like the fun stuff kind of is falling by the wayside a little bit more. It's feeling a little bit more like, um, cold and like structured, like, okay, we have to make sure like every, you know what I mean? Like um you know touring in bubbles and and things like that like there are interactive experiences that just don't exist anymore yeah. um you know in person and uh you know just being just having that extra 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 layer of cautiousness as they tour where you know whereas in t- years past it was like yeah we're we're safe we're as safe as we possibly can be Um, but we're still out here like having fun, you know. Yeah,
0: like even Um, meet and greets right now are kind of up in the air for a lot of absolutely. Like, yeah, (laughs)
1: Yeah. I know meet and greets are up in the air. You know, like I I know JoJo Siwa did a modified meet and greet where it was, you know, she was on stage and fans were, um, you know, sitting in like the front row of the venue, which is like still feels like you know as close as we can get right without Mm -hmm. like physical interaction and um but yeah most of that type of you know vip or premium experience Mm -hmm. opportunity just like doesn't exist right now um or you know i know adele when she had to cancel um vegas or postpone vegas you know she was like well and her team were like, well, we'll FaceTime the people who got like the VIP premium tickets. Yeah. You know, would have had like a that sort of meet and greet opportunity as modifies, modified as it would have been in person. And, you know, it's it's those they're little dopamine hits, but I think that having that be a little bit more centralized than like a reactionary um, experiences for artists and fans is something that you know, they're so heads down on like, is the show going to happen or not? <laughs> you yeah, know, that, uh, that there's no one in the room to kind of facilitate, um, proactively facilitate, like, this is what an experience can be. Um, so that let down yeah. might, might not, we might not fall as hard when we get the bad news.
0: Yeah, it's like those extra touches are kind of falling to the wayside to make it like a full experience. And it's mainly right now just all about the show and executing them safely and not having to cancel or or postpone, which makes sense, but... Hey, we'll, we're willing to upgrade (laughs) for these experiences. Um, Who knows? We might have to do meet and greets in the metaverse at some point. I don't know. Right.
1: (laughs) We'll see how that pans out. I think that that's on a, on the roadmap for a lot of artists is to have, uh, you know, more of a future of official fan clubs experience, which is Mm -hmm. also something I'm, I'm interested in helping, uh, you know, facilitate for for artists that maybe aren't comfortable going on the road just yet.
0: Yeah, we'll have to do a part two and get into all of that.
1: <laughs> yes, I know point. we'll have like a super tech nerd geek out. Episode. Yes, that will be super fun. Swearing and geeking out are yes. always welcome <laughs> on this podcast. So I was like, I'll say fuck a lot. And yes. we'll talk about blockchain. Cool. Yes,
0: there we go. <laughs> Nick Carter is really into blockchain and crypto. Mm-hmm. And the Backstreet Boys like sent all of their fans an NFT one day, like a year, not a year ago, but... Mm, quite a few months ago and it just like caused mass confusion oh <laughs> among gosh. the fan group it was interesting
1: yeah yeah there there's definitely broad consumer adoption that needs to uh needs to happen i think before just yeah. like everyone who can get one will understand why they're getting one yeah <laughs> so
0: like i said in this drought that we're in i was happy to receive it but
1: <laughs> oh, right oh exactly <laughs> I'll take exactly anything at this point <laughs>
0: So, okay. A lot of people who listen to this podcast, I mean, we might have some people that work in the music industry in a a similar capacity, but I think a lot of them just do marketing in a more general sense, selling products or um, similarly to you, selling services. But um, I'd like to know how you think music fans and concert goers are different from customers in another category, um, just, you know, a regular consumer products category or just anything else out there that's unique to music and concert goers? What, what's
1: special about the fans? Oh gosh. I mean, fans really, you know, I like, I, I look at it a little bit like this, you know, I think that brands have a hard time i mean why why are we a fanatic of like a popcorn you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. why are we why would be why would why would we be fanatical about popcorn right like or something that's very utilitarian yes um i think that what's different between you know a customer or a community member around a brand um that's different than a you know a musical fan is that musical people who are fans of music and artists and concert goers they're a fan because of how they feel how it makes them feel. Um, it's a really really like emotionally connected thing. I can't bring myself to be emotionally connected to Orville Redenbacher. Right. Just, <laughs> I mean, I love popcorn. It's like I always have it stocked in my house, but um, it's it's not something. That I'm willing to fly 4,000 miles to get popcorn.
0: Yes. If that makes
1: sense. <laughs> it does. Um, I am willing to travel 4,000 miles to experience a new culture, to stand in a room and have that unadulterated joy moment of like sharing a musical um, moment with other fans and, and with the artist. Um, you know, and so I think that concert goers and, and music fans really are emotionally driven. Um, and it takes a very emotionally intelligent and empathic marketer to market to those people. Cause they, it is a demographic and a psychographic that I have come to realize sees through bullshit the fastest. Mm-hmm. If yes. you are doing a cash grab anything as an artist or an artist team or a label or whatever, they, they're like, I don't fuck with this. Nope. Yeah. You know I what I mean? Fuck. Like they're the first to call you out or if it, where if it's like, Hey, we have this new popcorn seasoning. It's like, cool. I know you just want to make money off of, cause you just sell things.
0: Yeah. It doesn't um, feel as like personal.
1: Right. And, you know? and if, if you were to drill it down musicians, the only thing that they're selling is connection. Right. Um, And so, you know, they're, they're selling, uh, you know, art, which is like just a, it's just a different thing um, than like a thing. Yeah. Uh, Does that make sense? That makes sense. It
0: does. (laughs) It absolutely does. And I think for me, like, (sighs) I when I get in like this weird almost panic mode when I see dates being announced and I feel like oh my gosh I have to see them this time and I have to you get the
1: sweats yeah yes absolutely the pre sale sweats they're real folks
0: (laughs) yes it's a condition and I think what that really stems from is that there's this like scarcity with your favorite artists like honestly you know the Backstreet Boys have been around for almost thirty years are they gonna keep Touring. I mean, Kevin just turned 50. I think they're, they're still, you know, they're still doing things. They're still out there, but it's like, gosh, if I don't see them now, like it feels finite. Um, right. and that's really scary to me. Like you have to see them in as many places and as often as possible, where popcorn is gonna be around forever. I don't feel like that's ever going to go away. Right. And even with something like sports sports is a little bit different because your favorite players come and go, but your team still exists and you still learn to love, you know, a new group of athletes, but like your musicians that you love, it feels like there's this timetable that does the elephant in the room a little bit. At least for oh, me. for
1: sure. You know, I, I totally agree with that. I, you know, just t- talking about sports and teams, like, that's such a legacy community. It's a yeah. legacy commitment, right? Um, as a fan. And like you said, like there, there is a limited supply of because it's a human being, right? It's, yes. it's a human or group of humans um, that you get to experience. And like, how lucky are we to get to live, you know, at the same time as some of these talented creative human beings, um, with all of the billions of years of this rock we hurdle through the (laughs) on, you know, like we're, we're, um, we're alive at the same time. Right. Yes, even like like way, um, existential about it. Uh, but it, it is, it's, it is the pre-sale sweats. You go, I have to see them and I have to see them as much as I possibly can because who, I mean, I think the pandemic kind of gave us, now, two lenses of holy shit, I have to get tickets. <laughs> yes. Because one, it's like we don't know. We, we've seen now firsthand how something so entirely out of our control um, can pull the rug out from yeah. even that being an option for years. Um, and then, so now we're going, okay, their fandoms are bigger. So there's more fans, there's more people that want it, there's more demand. Um, there's more people who are hungry for it but I'm the hungriest yeah and um and also like if I don't get them and, and it's kind of mixed too like I know for Harry's tour some people had those tickets for three years before they used them
0: oh my gosh yeah, yeah. I have a friend who had has still has backstreet tickets that she bought with these two other girlfriends of hers and both of them have had like one or two kids and they were supposed to travel to the show. And they're, they're like a whole new group of people now. And it's like, I don't know if I'll be able to make it this time. Oh my gosh. Well, again, thinking back to um, you know the audience for this podcast, I think a lot of them are just general marketers. What can they take away from from this? And concert going in general and, and how, how can more just brands and companies deepen their relationship with
1: their audience?
0: Maybe not on the level of, you know, they're going to follow you around on a world tour,
1: but. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That would take a lot of staffing to follow every customer around. It would, it would. Yeah. (laughs) We're a global market now. (laughs) Um, having started in this music and fan and concert and show kind of space. The thing that is really, really powerful about paying attention to this, and I also encourage people to pay attention to like up and coming like street performers that are, I hate the word hustle, but we're going to say it here, that hustle so, so hard to make an impact and build a fan base and build the attention, right? It's the attention that really is like... You have to get the attention first, so be flashy, but don't be gross or whatever. But then, like when people are there, being observant more than you are pushing things at people, um, because I think that you know, one hundred and one is obviously entering a space or or uh, you know promoting an offering, whether that's a thing, you know, a good or a service. Um, when you enter it, you, you know, you have this vision, you have this idea, you have like your marketing, like strategy and your tone and your voice and who, who your demographic is. But once you put it out into the world, shut up and listen. Yeah. Because who, who you may have envisioned as being the most impacted may not necessarily be who you thought it was. Right. Right. You may have been like, oh, this is a thing that is perfect for, you know, this type of person, this person's, this type of lifestyle, this whatever. But once it's out there and and you're positioning it way it, it in those ways to to appeal to those things, if it appeals to someone else in, in a more powerful way, that's all right. Um, it's it's okay to reposition. What you do and what you offer and what you could provide, and it, it really comes down to being a human. One of the things in in every strategy and uh, you know implementation implementation I've ever done um, in marketing is the ratio of how much you're talking about yourself versus relating to the experiences that your audience has outside of the ecosystem of what you offer um is you know it's very very weighted on the latter rather than the former if we have a day of the week um you know we have 7 days in a week and you're doing one piece of content per day two at max of those pieces of content should be talking about your product or your company or your service um, the rest should be participating in the conversation um, the conversations that your uh, customers or your audience is having, right? So if your audience is super into, great example, pop culture, um, you should be par- participating in pop culture conversations um, with mm-hmm. them. Having, having a genuine human presence um, in those spaces, as opposed to always talking about yourself, always talking about who, you want to think is you know oh i want this this you know demo or whatever to like think i'm the coolest um and then like ignoring the demo that's like actually showing up is um you know it's a lot of the companies that i've worked with um for years usually c- come to me and and become clients of mine because they've stuck so like firmly to this is who we want to think we're cool or like that we want to have as customers. I'm like, but they're not your customers. If 90% of your customers are not these people, there's something here to nurture that's showing up. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that's like kind of my, my takeaway.
0: It's a great lesson because a lot of times, I mean, I feel like we have to fight to prove that that imbalance is how it should be that it's, mm-hmm. you know, 5 days just relating to your audience and conversing with them and engaging and, you know, on the lower end actually talking about your products, your services and and right. broadcasting that information out and when you have superiors that might not get it and they're like, "Why aren't you promoting this?" and they just think everything is about Selling and that bottom line, they don't see the value in that nurturing and how that really also correlates with those sales and everything that they're, <laughs> that they're For trying sure. to, to improve. It's like we have to build the relationship first, like let let yes. us do what we do best.
1: Yeah, it's so true. I, I think the a lot of times you know we you know I've been guilty of it myself too, um, in executive roles when you get really really stuck in the data and the numbers and the bottom line and stuff. But the healthiest bottom line will come from the return on relationship instead of Ooh. the return on investment. Ooh. yeah, That's a mic so, drop moment, I think, Jess. I, I was like, oh, no, my <laughs> microphone fell down. Just kidding. Um,
0: yeah, <laughs> the takeaways I mean, keep coming.
1: <laughs> they, they keep coming. But, I mean, that and, – and it's been proven to me time and time again when I get so, so wrapped up in, oh, we have to hit a number, we have to hit a metric, we have to hit, you know – revenue um, and and not looking at the health of the experience that potential customers, current customers, you know, new customers are having with your brand and your products. And just being like, we just have to hit a number. Um, Every time that I've stepped back and actually paid attention to what's the experience these people are having when they show up to the party are there chips there? Are they chips that they were told would be there? Am I saying Doritos and they show up and there's Cheetos and they're like, "Excuse me, I came for the Doritos." It's cheese, but it's different. Um, Don't forget the popcorn too. Either. I know, and the popcorn Orville's <laughs> there, but we didn't know Orville was going to be there. We thought this was going to be a more popcornopolis situation. Yeah, um, yeah, it's you know, looking and and nine times out of ten, we're not hitting our numbers and we're not giving them the experience that we um that we Promise. promised advertised that they yeah. would um, have and so stopping you know the obsession with with numbers um and really focusing on when i say hey come over when they get there they're dancing on the table within the first 10 minutes right yeah they're making that memory with our brand um in a way that makes them want to say, oh my gosh, I have to snap all my friends and get them to this party. That's when, like I said, the, the bottom line gets really, really healthy.
0: Well said. That is really Thank great you. to keep in mind. And <laughs> Yeah, I love that, uh, that uh, analogy <laughs> about the party. That's great. Um, okay, so I'd love to wrap up. I want to hear who your dream client is.
1: Oh, okay. So I have three dream clients. I've loved Okay. Um. So my current three dream clients would be Harry Styles. Hope everyone was sitting down for that one. Um. I would also Lizzo would also be a phenomenal. Her fan base is insanely uh, amazing.
0: The lesbians, right? The lesbians, <laughs> love them.
1: Um. And then Rosalia is also one. Um. I don't know if anyone like. She is on a rocket ship and she's incredible. If you have not heard her music, it's phenomenal. I haven't. Um, Yes. So Rosalia, Harry Styles, and Lizzo would be my three dream clients.
0: Solid choices. I know the next time we check in, maybe when we do our part two, that they're going to be your clients. I'm putting that out there.
1: I appreciate this energy. I mean, (laughs) come on. I've compelled you. You're propelling me. It's like, I love it.
0: I firmly believe that you could DM your way anywhere, so <laughs> we'll figure out. The, we'll
1: this is true. I am <laughs> notorious for the somehow effective DM slide. Yeah. I am. I am not a spray and prayer, if you will. I am very. I'm. I'm. um, I'm, I'm, I don't subscribe to the volume is the key to su- unlocking success. Um, I think that intentional. Uh, Intentional interactions, whether it's cold or you know, over time warmed, um, is yeah. the is the stronger and more powerful way to go. So yeah. I am, yeah, I'm just like, if I'm in your DMs, you're special, babe. You know, yeah, and it's
0: gonna be a mutually beneficial relationship here. Let's let's figure this out. We're
1: gonna, <laughs> we are going to do good things, be good people. And be, do good by the people we meet along the way. Guiding values of Roadie Social.
0: Well, I'm so glad I slid into your DMs and that you were willing to hop on here and tell the world kind of the debut about Roadie Social. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us?
1: I mean, no, I would I would just love any, you know, com. if you want to learn more about the sort of top level slash specifics of, you know, what what we do and follow on social at roadie social on Instagram and Twitter.
0: Yeah. And you're already hosting some really fun conversations on social, just things that are making that are making us reminisce and just get super excited to head back out
1: on the road. Can Um, I tell you it has been the most soul filling experience to uh, put those prompts out. Yeah. Like I have gotten emotional. I collect them all. (laughs) Oh. But I have gotten emotional at how connected such simple reminiscing has, has like resulted in. I mean, it's just like w- it's wild to me and I love it. And I'm I hold it with such honor that people um, are reliving those experiences when oh, I yeah. when I put them out on Twitter. It's like it's something that I do not take for granted at all. Yes, absolutely.
0: Well, thank you, Jess. So thank happy you joined me today. I am so excited to see what you do next. And um, yeah, if you if your touring brings you to South Florida, let me know. I will hang out in the pit with you
1: wherever you end up. <laughs> 100%. We will dance our faces off in the pit of some show together.
0: Sounds good. Sounds good. Thanks, Jess. Thanks. If you're a fan of this podcast, be sure to subscribe or better yet, leave a review. You can also join my Twitter chat at hashtag PopChat for weekly pop culture discussions you can actually learn from. If you have an idea for an episode, shoot me a DM at Brianne2k. As always, thanks for listening.